to the Ride It Out podcast, the official podcast of Summer Nats, the world's wildest car festival. My name's Jay Benz and I'm joined by my mate, Owen Webb, a.k.a. Webby. What's happening, mate? Mate, I've had another fantastic weekend. How good was it last Thursday with the Ring Brothers? They're such interesting guys building some awesome cars and I just think we're so fortunate to have access to some of the best car builders in the world. Speaking of that, we're going to have two of Australia's best on the show tonight. Absolutely. I really enjoyed that interview you did on Thursday, Webby. That was uh, a really some great insight into, you know, some of the best car builders, you know, in, yeah. literally in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really good. And just such personal and such humble guys. So don't forget that entrant cutoff to say big on Summonat's entry for Summonat's 34 is May 31. We've got over 1,000 entries for Summonat so far. Uh, it was sold out last year and it will sell out again. So be sure to get your Summonats 34 entries in before May 31 to save big. All right, tonight's show kicks off with one of Australia's top painters and top car judges, Rachel Derbich, who will be joined by Summonats 30 grand champion Mark Happy Williams. Then after that, we have Summonats elite royalty Howard Astle and Summonats burnout royalty Gary Myers. Owen, what a show. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I just I can't wait. It's uh, going to be a fantastic show tonight. Let's kick it off with Mark and Rachel. What's happening, guys? Hey, going good. Just another Tuesday night. Another Tuesday night after working on cars all day. It's been it's been a good day. Hey, welcome, welcome aboard, guys. So good to have you. So I've got a few few questions to shoot at you guys. So, Mark, I want to know how you got into cars. Oh, geez, that was uh, I was a home from the womb, you would say. I was um, early on in the days. Dad was well into cars and. He had a whole heap of potted up things and Foxhall Fever was his first one with Twin Webbers. Then uh, worked his way up to VL Turbos and VRSSs and VHSSs through the way. And I just happened to love him going sideways as a great dad, <laughs> <laughs> living on farms and bits and pieces. And I was a, yeah, just, I just got bred right into it, loved it. Ed, look, it's an interesting we, – we sort of ask that question of most people and it's nearly always goes right back to almost when they were born. So it's it's almost in, born into us, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, totally. From when I was six years old, started driving cars on, uh, on our cousin's farm that we used to live on and uh, accidentally slipped off the clutch like most people do at six years old on the gravel <laughs> roads and went, gee, sideways is fun. This is cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how about you, Rach? How did you get into cars? Oh, pretty much the same thing. I just grew up with the brothers, mainly my middle brother, Chris. So we're both the middle children. So we're like the outcast ones. Always, always doing something on the, every single weekend in the cars and garages, hanging out with mates. And then as soon as I could do that, I realized that yeah, going through school, I'd, if I could do the only one thing I loved, which was cars and art, then I figured spray painting was the best job in the world. So continue that forever. So what did you do when you left school? Did you do apprenticeship? I went straight into an apprenticeship and I also had like three other jobs at the same time. So I worked scrutineering at AIR in Adelaide as well. So that was another like a bit of fun stuff to do with cars. And I yeah, just tried to – anything to do with cars on the weekends and working was – yeah, just kept pushing through. Gave up netball to go work on cars. So I know you worked in a, I know you worked in a panel shop and um, and, and you know, spray painted, but I know you do a lot of custom painting. So I'm guessing that's probably where your, your real passion lies. Is is that is that right? Yeah, definitely custom custom paint is the my passion. Uh, it, that probably grew from when I was really little. I used to always nag my pop 
to draw all the time and I just always kept drawing and I've always loved drawing and I figured if I can create go art and cars and that's why when I started doing normal uh, smash repair stuff to go into resto and then I figured I could teach myself how to do graphics and art with paint and then from there I watched the Americans and what they're doing and they they just knock it out of the ballpark so just googled heaps of stuff that they do and try and try and just create stuff and do better. Right, just to ask you, what, what have you found more challenging? Have you found the custom side of it or, or working like the, you know, I guess painting or the custom painting stuff? Uh, the resto is really challenging because you've got to try and recreate what the customer actually wants. Uh, yeah. But apart from that, the custom side of things is trying to get into someone's brain and figure out what they actually want and put it on there mm. and hope that they're happy at the end. But most people give me um, a clean slate and go, you know what you're doing and just go for it. So, Mark, what do you do when you're not working on cars? Um, well, I, I work away in, in the mines. I've been uh, an operator for nearly 20 years. Um, I drive 650-tonne diggers and uh, dozers and graders, loaders, everything pretty much, and I drove road trains for a few years and supervised uh, through Centurion Transport, taught people how to drive road trains, love driving three and four trailers. It's very peaceful, peaceful driving setup that is. And then uh, my, my trade is an auto electrician, which I don't do anymore, but uh, that's what I started out of school in. in and yeah, loved, loved it for a little while and then uh, more into the fabrication side of things. Um, I found my love in that side of it. So you, um, you like fly in, fly out, you're away? Yeah, fly and fly out. Um, we're struggling through this uh, dilemma that's going on at the moment, and uh, yeah, I'll bet. yeah, everyone's had to double their shift rosters and uh, stay away from their families a lot longer to reduce their flying. So mm. it's um it's a bit tough at home, and I'm lucky I'm on a on a good roster, and I work with autonomous trucks and uh, all that sort of thing these days. And so my roster's two and two at the moment, so it's. Uh, it's actually a great roster. That must be why the re- your relationship with Rach is so strong. You're away for a week at, a, at least a week at a time. <laughs> well, yeah, she'd probably prefer me away four weeks at a time. <laughs> no, I won't. I just need a couple of days to figure out how much to clean up the workshop before he gets home because he'll make a fair <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're driving some pretty powerful cars, but it must be pretty intense to drive a road train as well, right? That must be a pretty intense feeling. Uh, the only way I used to put it to the guys that were learning with us, um, I'd say you just try to imagine something that you can turn around and nearly touch the ass when you're driving in front of it. <laughs> and you're driving a circle and you can see the, the rear end of the other end of it and you go, that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of mass moving, movement going on there. I imagine it's pretty... Yeah, it's phenomenal, especially up the northern side of WA. Um, yeah. You're allowed four trailers. Wow. And it's just, it's just fantastic. I used to drive over to all the mine sites down gravel roads with four trailers and load it up with all sorts of stuff from cars to oh, massive machinery, all the mining equipment and run floats. And it's yeah, wow. just something fantastic that you get involved in and you meet some awesome people. Truckers rule the world, they really do. It must make driving. It must make driving to Kingswood feel like a little, a little kid story, right? Well, I, tell you what, I think I think the steering of a Kingswood's heavier. <laughs>
I've been involved in judging for a long time and I just, I've always loved bringing new people through and, and you're definitely one of the new breeder judges. So tell us how you got into that and how, are you enjoying it? I absolutely love judging. It's one of the, one of those things in a lifetime that you don't actually expect will happen, but it did. And I thank everyone that helped me get there. Um, when I first put um, uh, my first contact feelers out for doing the kind of role, uh, going over to Red Centre was my first uh, initial, uh, what's the word for it? Your debut. Yeah. And um, obviously that's where I met you for the first time and yeah, you were just like, meeting you was like, just blown away. So that was amazing. And uh, straight from yeah, that, it was! That changed your life. It's also changed your life in other ways as well, didn't it? It did. That's where we met. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, everything happens for a reason. Were you just driving past in the road train there, Mark? Is that how yeah. you Yeah, yeah. Just floating by. And a few months later, when went, oh, you know, how you going? I just needed a lift in. I didn't ask for a full time thing, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> No, look, at, um, you've, since you've been on board, it's, uh, you've done a fantastic job and I know that you're well-respected out there already at such a young age. So, yeah, you're going to have a great career in country, correct? Uh, she, really she sure, sure is. She's made a yeah. uh, mark in the WA scene over here, she has, so uh, painting some cool stuff at the moment. Yeah, it's great. Hey, Mark, speaking of that, you came from behind in, uh, with the driving events back in summer, that's 2017. So just give us, tell us a bit about that and how did it feel being grand champion? Well, that was a fairly big one. Um, going into that was really emotional. If anyone knows that, knew that story, it was uh, pretty, yeah. pretty hard felt. And it was, uh, my mum was you know, right there the whole way through and just waiting to see what happened. Um, we were just hoping for top 60 and you know, we pushed for so long and uh, as soon as the top 60 ran out and um, Dad wasn't there, it was very emotional and the, uh, the old sword's behind us here in the pool room. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, pride of place there. And coming into the top 60 and knowing that the talent of and the cars that were there was it's going to be a very tough feat and it wasn't really something that, I thought I was going to get anywhere near it, but you're you've got to be in it to win it. And the car was tough enough, and it drove well. And I've been driving it for a long time, so you've got to put everything on the line and drive it as hard as it can. It's not just drive out there being a, a pretty car. A lot of the guys go out there just thinking, just drive it around the track and come home safe. And it's it's not. You've got to put that foot through the floor. You were one of the first guys to win from outside of the top. I think probably the first guy to win from outside of the top twenty, and um, and just from my memory, I think you were either first or first and second in both of those driving events, and that was just enough to get you over the line. So uh, I was yeah. wrapped. It was a, gr- yeah. a great result all round. It was a big shock. I can tell you that much. When I thought I uh, when uh, Gareth Lockett's uh, young young girl, she's jumped in the car and said, "Can I go out on the on the end with you?" And I went, oh, I can't believe we're going out of the end. We must have got third. And I was over the moon dancing around out the front before we came out onto the last three and then, yeah, called out that spot. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. It was great. So No, I think you cried from memory and I just said it's such an emotional thing. And Look, we've interviewed a couple of champions and it is like 
a lot of people, that's just what they work for their whole life, and it's such an emotional thing, isn't it? I, I said to Rachel many times going, I thought I'd never even see a sword, let alone have my own. So, and it's in the car industry, someone that's the, the grand champion is what I was aiming for one day and never thought I'd get there. But the sword is, to me, it's like the Brownlow. So yeah, absolutely. It's a brand low of our sport, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's where I, I sit at because I like to drive it. I'm not more the static type of uh, person. I still drive the car and take it down the coast and go cruising in it and all that sort of thing, and it's got a few upgrades coming. And then yeah. um, never know, I might end up coming back to Red Centre and popping over maybe to Motorex one day once I've cleaned it up a little bit more and well, speaking of that, I actually wanted to make a point. I remember, I think, the following year after that, you got got to Red Centre, and then you you went north and you um, stopped at quite a few towns and took a few kids and stuff for for a run round. Tell us about that. That was just that was unreal. Yeah, uh, made him on uh, Aaron and I both decided instead of going the same way home, decided to go up to Darwin and towed the car all the way up to Darwin and over the top end of WA and down, and we. Pulled the car out and a couple of little kids and that came around the car and took them for laps and uh, over to Coral Bay and then uh, Coral Bay and Calvary and yeah pulled it out there and young kids just loved it so there's a couple of painters there and they were all excited so they all sat in there and got photos and didn't worry me one bit like it's all about uh, breeding all the yeah. young ones and getting them all involved in the car scene so it's really good. Mm. Yeah, that's a really, really good thing to do. I remember I was talking to Rach about it and, and you, and I just thought it was such a such a cool thing to do. Rach, speaking of cool things, what are you working on? <laughs> of my own. That's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. We're getting, a, we're getting exclusive. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, the biggest car I've ever touched probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing's a monster. So, this, yeah, the C1063 panel truck. Um, she's in its final, it's been finally primed its last stages now. So I've probably got a couple more weeks before I've got one more respray to do in between then. And then once I've done my customer's respray, I can do my own. So I'm pretty sure. excited. I can get away from the It's workshop. looking amazing too. We look at it all day long and she's done such a great job and she's worked her butt off in between everyone else's stuff and she's killing it. It's looking beautiful and lowered it she's uh, been involved in lowering it five inches and sat it all down and we've maybe going through a bit of engineering later on and uh, bagging it in bits and pieces but she's done an amazing job on this car it's going to look so good you and danny from wa suspension did all the hard work for that and they took very good care of my baby and they've like soon as they come back off the tow truck i was very very impressed and look, that truck scene is just so huge in the US and it's now really starting to take off here. So yeah. oh, it's just such a cool thing, aren't they? Yeah, they're amazing. And a couple of the boys over here, they've already got them and buying more and it's just getting bigger. So we can't always go, go cruising together and I don't know how we're all going to fit on the road over here. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> They're a foot yeah. wider than a Kingswood. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got my little monkey bike matched up as well, so that's going to go in the back of that as well so I can go cruising down the coast, get the monkey bike out, cruise down that. What I think I love about that that model of ute and stuff in, the, in that scene is that no two look the same in the utes. They all yeah. so, they're all so custom, you know? Yeah, they surely are. All the grills and she's got the good one. She loves the one. The 63 is where it stopped with the wraparound front windscreen. 
Yeah. Yep. You'll notice yep. a lot more. And then all the other guys have all got the 64 onwards and the 63 just kills it with that wraparound front window. It's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, wow. <laughs> when are you going to have that done, Rach? When will it be done? Um, I'm going to say... Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> free weekend. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, next, yeah, I've got in two weekends, I've got a respray, and then two weekends after that, I can do mine. So, probably about a month. Awesome. Are you going to head across the Nullarbor with it one day? Uh, yeah, I reckon I will. Because it's awesome. really, really awesome. it's just a paint job. I can just do another one. <laughs> See, I'm asking you all these questions, so now I've got you actually on. I've got you on uh, file, and I can uh, yeah. hold you to that. Now. <laughs> so, what's the future hold for you guys? What's going on? Oh, lots in the car, so yeah. Oh, we can't even keep up with our own brains at the moment. <laughs> Where they spiral out of control every now and again, but. Um, Mark keeps buying more panel vans, more panel vans, more panel vans. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to outdo each other with how much room we can have. <laughs> yeah, we're fighting over garage space at the moment, which has never been a problem ever before. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Most couples fight over, the, over their bed space. You're fighting over garage space. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? We'd, both sleep, we'd both sleep in swags if we could park them in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I said the I first night that the Chevy truck comes home, I'll park in the garage, but I'm still probably going to sleep in the back of it just like that. You're doing a bit of stuff for 3M and you're doing a, quite a bit of stuff for some of the corporates, yeah. aren't you? But yeah, just before the whole COVID-19 thing started up, uh, yeah, I was just getting set all everything booked in to go uh, to Sydney and do the filming for 3M and uh, the new upstart is coming up and showing some tech videos for the 3M and products and yeah. how to do some spray painting techniques and all that through properly. Rob from... Uh, right, <laughs> um, Yeah, he's been doing all the, uh, the panel videos and whatnot and then the, uh, I was watching some other tech videos with the young kids already doing their thing, so... Can't wait to actually finally get over there and do that. That'll be really handy. Well, just remember when you become really famous, just remember us and still come and judge for us, all right? Is that all right? <laughs> you are the first on the list always, no matter what. <laughs> all good. All right, guys. So, so anything else you want to cover off there, Josh, and we'll let these guys keep going? Oh, I was going to say, loved it. I love just seeing two passionate people about the scene, you know, like it's it's true blue, you know, I guess. And it, I really love the fact, uh, Mark, you got your, you got your goal, you know, like you thought you'd never get probably like a, and Rach, that the fact that you've turned in what, you know, something you wanted to get into, into to be a, the you know, master of your trade, you know, and well-respected yeah. Australia what. Absolutely. I know that, I know that Webby, when we had the interview, Webby on the, before you come on the interview, Webby would stop raving about how good of a judge you are and how, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know? I only learn from the best and, <laughs> and that'll keep growing because I believe that you never know everything so I'll oh, continue absolutely. that's so yeah. true thanks guys really appreciate your time and having you guys on thank you thank thanks you very awesome much. to see you guys thanks heaps see you guys all right, we're back with two Summonats legend, Howard Assel, who was a multi-time grand champion winner at Summonats, and Gary Myers, burnout master winner and burnout world champion. Uh, two legends, how are you guys? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good, Josh, Webby. Yeah, good to see you guys. And uh, look, always thanks for your time. And um, Gary, firstly, I want to know how you got into cars. Well, yeah, the old man was... Um a bit of a forehead and growing up, um, you know, me and Fix Search, he, he was a, a technician for PMG, which was Telstra and Telecom. Um, so he, he sort of always 
text. We had a small 10-acre hobby farm and, um, yeah, so uh, he would work on custom lines and all sorts of V8s, sort of trucks, tractors, everything. So that's pretty well where I got into it, and especially Narendra, the yeah. street machine. Um, well, it was, a, it was a street machine hot rod nationals, which was combined with the street machines, was held here in Narendra, and I can remember when I was a kid running around uptown and watching all the hot rods cruise around. So, And yeah. I've been pretty pretty close to, you know, the scene, you know, Narendra, it's pretty pretty central, um, yeah, to, to all what's going around. And it was a big deal back in the day. I remember actually coming to the 77th uh, Street Rod Nationals in Narendra. Yeah, it was a fantastic event. And Howard... You living out at Broken Hill, how did you get into cars? Pretty much similar story. My dad um, raced boats, uh, hill climb, pretty much anything with an engine. So, yeah, it was always around what we are doing. And then my dad got involved in a Ford dealership with a couple other guys when I was probably 14. And then when I used to, on school holidays, I'd work there you know, washing cars and stuff, and I actually started my career in a Ford dealership in spare parts. So was always yeah. around the cars, but always, you know, loved it. I can remember at school, you know, watching the XYs and stuff at Bathurst and just always been part of it. What's your first Summer Nats memory? Summer Nats, well, probably before that was like the 86 Nationals, or actually the 82 Nationals at Canberra. We went over, my mate Fuzzy and I went over uh, when we had the panel vans in the day. Um but because of the distance and all, we, we grabbed a hire car with the, with the partners then that are now our wives and went over for the 82 and then back in 86 with the Burgundy car, the first um, car. But I'd done four years in the panel van side of things, mainly down through Victoria. So we'd go, I think the first big show I went to was the 77 Van Nationals in Mildura. And then we followed the circuit. We'd go to Bendigo. Um, Adelaide, anywhere sort of down south from Broken Hill for probably three years and then had the family. So the van went and I bought the sedan and started doing the sedan and then that was then to get to the 86 Nationals. Yeah, unreal. That's interesting. I went to that same event in Mildura, so I didn't know you then, but that was interesting. No. You, you were really, in my mind, one of the first guys to really push the boundaries with elite builds. Just tell us a bit about, about that. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd go to a show and back in the day, especially the hot rod shows back in the day, you could go and talk to the judges afterwards and they were very honest and frank and would sit down with the, the score sheets and tell you where you would, where you went and where the car that beat you, you know, might have been better in a certain area and tell you to go away and have a look on those sorts of things. So my philosophy, um, especially when we got to a point where we were starting to compete with Ronnie Barclay, was whatever you thought everyone else was doing, you needed to do 10% more. So... If that meant you were going to detail your, in, you know, under your wheel arches, there's no good doing them black. You need to do them body colour. And it just evolved with it a little bit more and a little bit more, you know, a bit cleaner, a bit sharper, a bit nicer. And then when you were sick of doing it, you go, right, Ronnie's already done that much. Now I've got to do 10% more. <laughs> and that, that was always the philosophy. Did it feel like ten yeah. percent more? I felt like fifty percent more just to get that, you know. It was just because you just and Gary would know when, when he did the bullet. We were in the process of moving over here from Broken Hill over to Wollongong, and we'd drop in and try and give you a bit of encouragement because you just get so down going through the process that when you really had enough, you've just got to do a bit more. 
that you know that just that little bit more to make sure that that whatever you was trying to achieve, you actually got what you wanted out of it. I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter what you think; you just got to do more than you ever imagined. I mean, when we, the yeah. sort of on tailspin is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll get to that in a minute. But something you said there, Gary's really obviously really well known for the burnout scene, but a lot of people probably don't even realise that he had the top car in the in the country. So tell us a bit about the, the bullet there, Gary. Yeah, the silver bullet sort of, obviously, yeah, looking at Howard's um, bills and all that sort of stuff. And then and then I thought, well, yeah, I think I'm going to have a crack at um, yeah, building an elite car, but I still never was going to go that full mile with it. But with Howard and John Cavana <laughs> pushing me and, um, and actually you too, Owen. So, uh, yeah, I just, um, it, it wasn't that much more effort to go that full mile on it, you know. So it wasn't like drawing a line and saying that, okay, it was a two-year build, but it, 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 it ran out for three years, that car. So, um, but that was because of, yeah, just, just making sure everything was... All the crosses were ticked, and yeah. yeah, that was an awesome car. And you mentioned there, John Vernick. Yeah, well, John bought the car for me in the US, I and I, I, it was only a six-cylinder uh, Mustang, um, and I paid six thousand dollars for that car off John back then. And um, and then getting back to Howard, yeah, Howard was travelling through from Broken Hill to to Wollongong, and uh, Howard actually come and stayed here for a week and um, I think we achieved um, putting the um, doing the boot lid in reverse on it and, and yeah. I think we used some Meteor boot, uh, bonnet hinges or boot hinges or something at the time and then he had a lot of input with the bonnet and cutting out the bonnet and that so yeah that was great help. It's one of those stories maybe where you say, I'll just do whatever you want. And he goes, oh, well, I think we'll cut the hole in the bonnet. It's probably the job we make the most. <laughs> Mate, there was no bonnet left on that car, from my memory. <laughs> and that was a brilliant bonnet too. Yeah, just for the people that didn't know, that was a, like the first car with twin blowers on it, eh? So. Yeah, it was. And, yeah, we probably held some good accolades with that, Alan. We obviously um, won grand champion on debuting it at Summonat, so... I think we were the first person to ever win grand champion um, debuting it at Summonats and um, going for grand champions. So especially on, you know, they, they normally used to show them for 12 months and then, then drive them, but, but um, we got out there and, and got straight into it. Was that your goal, Gary, from the start with that car to, to try and achieve that grand champion feat? No, the grand champion sort of didn't really come into play with it I think um, obviously we won car of the show there and I think Owen pushed us again and said we should go for grand champion so oh yeah okay can remember what happened it was Owen and I were there saying right hey get it going and it had no bloody water right. in it. I didn't have water in it we ended up firing it up and yeah exactly so um, give your hand to put some water in it I said you got to do it you'd won people's choice and you'd won um, top yeah. guard so it's Correct. almost walk up unless you totally stuff the events up, and that was never going to happen because that's what you do. So it yeah. was a no-brainer. So where is that car now, Gary? I sold it to a, an ex-football player, AFL foot player, 
um, down into Shepparton. So the car ended up in Shepparton for quite a few years. Perry Mecca um, yep. bought the car off me, and, and he sort of um, – used the car in the hot rod scene and he was sort of, yeah, it didn't go down too well and uh, he ended up swapping it for a Ferrari um, off Queen Street in Sydney. So <laughs> then the car sort of, it, it got used for a couple of, like if you even Google up bloody the silver bullet wedding, it's in a wedding at Queen Street in Sydney, driving around the streets in Sydney. So, um, and then mm-hmm. far as I know, it got sold into the Queen Street, sold it into the US, and um, it's it has changed quite a few hands in the US over the last couple of years. So, yeah, no, it's still um, out and about. Yeah. So, obviously, um, that was a big deal for you, but um, I'm guessing a couple of other big deals would have been uh, winning the Burnout Masters and the World um, World Burnout Champion, would that be correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was um, pretty well all the, you know, a change from just the burnout, um, world burnout masters, I think, from memory. But it, it changed quite a few times of the way it was brought across. So, but, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I loved um, – yeah, it was always nervous competing at some of that's and uh, but yeah once you get out there just yeah it's just it's a great feeling yeah I mean obviously that's the pinnacle what what would be the pinnacle for you would it be winning grand champion or burnout masters uh, 2000 was probably a good yeah. year I think I won 2000 and 2001 I won three years in a row I'm not quite sure I think that was in the 90s um, where I was the only one to win it three three years in a row, so, yeah, I don't know how many times I've won it, but um, quite a few, <laughs> I think seven seven overall. Yeah, and Howard, you won grand champion in 97. Was that uh, your pinnacle moment or what do you think? Um, there's been a few. I mean, the, the, when we did the Fairlane, um, that was a deal I did with Street Machine and, and there was a requirement for the car to be built so they could give it away, so... We were under a massive amount of pressure and it was like a nine-month build to build an individually constructed vehicle. So by the time we got to the Nats, it really wasn't finished. Um, and then we did the driving events, did everything, and on the Sunday night they used to do the presentations for um, Grand Champion. So yeah. I'd sort of wandered in there to find out who'd won. They used to have a band and stuff playing in the hall, like in Building B. So I've wanted it, wanted him to see who won, and then when they called my name out, I just went to pieces. I mean, I just I had no concept that we even had a chance. But we'd done well in a couple of the driving events. Car made top ten, must have done half all right in the People's Choice. So that was probably the most emotional I've been because of just how it come about, and I had no expectation. Where normally, if you build something, I normally go there with an expectation I might do all right. So on yeah. that particular occasion, that just brought me undone. And then the other one, when we did the dedication with the flag, which obviously you were heavily involved in when my mate got killed, um, yeah. to go up and get that top judge trophy, um, yeah, the emotion from that is still with me today. I mean, that just brought it all, you know, all together at once and you really start struggle to keep it together. But, I mean, we've been there for so many years, um, all of us, that there's so many good times and, and so many things to try and pull one little thing out of it's just about impossible. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And like even your 
your involvement with a car like Tailspin. I'm sure that was rewarding as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, um, Tailspin was probably more about Motorex than Summonats. Um, you know, it was one of those heartbreaking ones. I mean, to go down to the burnout track to be, you know, in the top three with a very good expectation of winning grand champion and then the thing won't start. Um, with the heat, that that the emotions from that was just unbelievable. We'd, we'd put in about five years, I think, on that car. Um, the relationship that we we built up between Heather and I and, and Adam and Kylie was was like they're like our kids now. It's just been um, that bigger. So for that to happen was was almost unbearable. And then the other side of that is for it to win um, Grandmaster and win seven gold was just um, you know incredible. Just you can't yeah. put that into words. And I mean I I put a huge amount of my own time into that car because I could see where it was going and I knew how much passion they had for the car to yeah. just get it to that that end. And, you know, I, I don't know how many hours. I probably put a 1,000 hours of my own time into it to make some of the things extra special that I know you need to try and win those sort of awards. No doubt it takes a lot of um, – the, the, I really like the, the craziness of the design, but then, like, the, the, the detailing's insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably would have been nice to, for that car to have been, you know, a 49 sloper or something that, you you know, was a full genuine um, custom car with that amount of detail. Yeah. Yeah. And it really was a, it was a love it or hate it car um, for yeah. a whole lot of reasons. And the amount of time people say, oh, what do you think of it? So, well, you know, it's not my choice of car, but I just did my best work that I could do to achieve the result that we're trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, it's, it did achieve that. And not only that, it's registered, they drive it, um, and it came back here to, to be go to, to Motorex this year for the 20th anniversary, and it's held up incredibly well. And I just did a few touch-ups where they've been driving it on it for them um, and some detail work, and they just love the car to death. Um, they do their club runs in it. They really enjoy the car, and they love the car. So the minute, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, Howard, just you had so many modified cars, and I just – over the last few years, a people, a few people would have noticed your Mustang, the XA and the uh, XB or EXB that you built, more of a resto model or actually fully um, restored cars. What do you like doing best? Is there a either you know custom, full custom or what? Probably me personally, I'm a full custom, you know, cut it up yeah. type of. But, but, I mean, what a lot of people never understood probably is that I had my show car that I put in a trailer and took to shows to try and win trophies. And then I always had my other car that normally Heather drove or, or whatever. It was our, our daily and our modified car for the street, which is a totally different animal. I mean, they're two different cars. So cars I've been building really is trying to do my best work for what the customer wants. And in most cases, they've had a car that is collectible, so they don't really want to modify the body, um, even though they get me to straighten them and do the gaps and all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, if it's a GT... So there was, you know, Cool Mint, Blackman's, um, yep. and then the two Cobras. All of the bodies yep. on those are pretty much original bodies, but some of them, one had a 700 horsepower with a six-speed, another had, you know, a full-built um, engine with a with a five-speed Tremec, different wheels, different brakes, but they could always put them back to what they wanted. Um, yep. 400, Cobra 400 was a different story where, we were trying to build to our best ability that car back to original. And what I often say to people was I was actually trying to 
make it look like a new car, not like a restored car. And mm. too often I see really well restored cars that are too good in the sense of the paint, especially nowadays with the two-pack paints. So yeah. you know, the air cleaners were never full gloss from the factory. They were they were shiny, but they weren't full gloss. So you really got to bring everything back 10% in relation to the shine so that it looks right. And then, you know, getting the right plug leads and ends, you know, that all the wiring's right and the clips on the wiring and all that sort of stuff. We I did a huge amount of research and was lucky to find a, a Cobra with only 14,000 Ks on it that still had the original brake pads and those sorts of things where I could photograph how the front brakes, the bolts were wired, that everyone has a different philosophy on how the wiring went through the bolts, the safety wire. Yeah, you know, whether, yeah. Does it go this way or that one? I can see Gary smiling because he probably pulled plenty of them <laughs> off in his day. Exactly. <laughs> but if I said to him, you know, which way did it go, you sort of go, oh, shit, I don't know. And then was it was it black wire? Was it CAD wire? How thick was it? So all that sort of stuff. I just did a lot of research and found a lot of photographs of of my own and other cars that before they were, were cut up, you know, before they yeah. were, were service baits basically to then go about trying to, to put that car back together. And the biggest thing when we debuted at Summonats was everyone said it just looks like a brand new car and that was our goal. So that sort of fulfilled yeah. our goal. How do you get it when you build a car like your own car, do you get attached to them? Or you not particularly. I mean, once they're done, they're done. <laughs> I mean, I kept the Mustang for 10 years and then eventually sold it because I really wasn't using it um, as much as it deserved. And then when yeah. I did, I used to take it up. I'd go out to Power Cruise and rake the living hell out of it and have a ball because it was built to do that. Gary actually built the motor in that, which was a little 302 Windsor that was a rocket ship. And I'd go up there. Actually, the best one is um, Phil Kerjan. I took him for a ride and then he won't get back in it. He, he would get back in there. So I'm crazy. And I said, you reckon I'm crazy? You're the tipping king and he wouldn't exactly. get back in People don't necessarily know that side of me, but I, I'm, not in, I'm not a burnout guy. I don't mind going and have a look, but I'm not a burnout guy myself. I prefer to go yeah. faster around the track and, you know, stop and go. And more, more like a touring car style of thing. So that's what the Mustang was built for. All the show cars were win, built to win trophies and then get rid of it and move on, get something else and have another go. Can I ask you a question? When a customer comes to you and wants to build a car, do you, is it generally end up a mix of their their flavour and then your your experience or is it you always sort of move towards they want and just they, want, they end up getting what you think, you know, like is it a mix? Yeah, I normally, I normally do a sit down and, it, and we do a couple of them initially and, and it, it's a matter of writing down what they want, going through the process. And normally it's not overly difficult, but um, like when we did um, Venom, the Cobra, I went on him just to put the original front front end back in it. And I said to him, if we do it all, all brand new, it will handle, it will, everything will work fine. But he wanted RRS so because whether he knew or friends are telling him, oh, it'll handle better or do this better. So that's customer choice. So, you know, you put it in. Like with my yeah. van, I'm going to run the standard front end with Bilstein's and decent springs and a decent sway yeah. bar. Yeah, and I believe, it's, I believe it's sufficient. But there's a lot of people out there that want a car that ticks the boxes. So, yes, I've got 700. Yes, I've got a five-speed. Yes, I've got a strange centre. Yes, I've got billet axles. Um, you know, I've got 20s or 19s or whatever size they want. So my role is to fill their fulfil their dream, if you like. Um, 
the current car I'm doing, which is absolutely over the top, the owner, I went through and supplied him with a, probably a 10-page um, spreadsheet on all the mods and stuff that we talked about. And then probably 50% of those, he pretty much said, I'll, I'll leave it to you. So that's yeah, the right. first build a car where it's like, okay, he's leaving it to me, so I come up with options and then pass that back by him and it comes back. So there's a lot of to and fro in relation to how the car gets developed to achieve the goal we're after. And it always amazes me, everyone that comes to me says, um, I just want a street car. And I go, yeah, well, yeah. we better go somewhere else because obviously if we start <laughs> doing the thing, you, you, you'll be able to drive it on the street, but it ain't going to be a street car. So the first thing is to determine what their goals are. You know, if they want to win trophies, then I say, which one? <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. As, you know, there's a lot of difference between winning Grand Champion or Judge at Summonats or winning Motor X or going and winning the Hot Rod Show because they've, they've all got yeah. slightly different skews and the way they're judged and the yeah. judges themselves change. So with my history and everything that I've done, you need to build a car. And I used to always talk about when I built um, the Pioneer Group, we put the bars from the... the um, the door pillars down to the front, down past by the radio, like a race car, and we called them the Johnny Taverna bars. Yeah. Johnny, he told me that when I built the fair lane, it wasn't strong enough, even though it was engineered and, and it was all tested, torsional rigidity yeah. tested the whole lot, it should have had bars. Yeah. So the fact that I wanted to get good points in engineering, we put Johnny Taverna bars in. I so remember about, that. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's about, knowing, it's about knowing the system. And then building yes. a car for the system if if you want to just do judging. If you want a street car, I was talking now on off camera earlier about building a car and then the time it takes to get it really streetable and everything working and you know, on hot days, cold days, all those different things that make a car that becomes a good street car, pretty rare it comes out of the box first time and everything's sweet. Mm. Man, no doubt very, it's a very, very different criteria between the, the street car and the, and the show car, like down to Lots of mo small things. Yeah, I'm, and, I mean, I and that's exactly right. And Howard, without without blowing smoke up you there, you are actually one of the people that actually takes the time to to understand the system, talk to the right people, and then you can build the car accordingly. So yeah, it's, uh, and, uh, when we did tiles, we really wanted to do a textured floor on it. And I spoke yeah. to Owen, I spoke to Johnny Aristus, and said this were the direction I'd like to go because I think that's where the the whole game needs to go. And pretty much told if you do that, you're going to lose points. So full gloss it is. You know, we were looking for maximum points. So I wanted to do the same car but put a textured finish on it. So it yeah. would probably be more difficult to do because you can't polish it afterwards. Right, right. But where, you know, where the judging criteria sat, sat at the time, and I mean street elites made some, some inroads in, in having an effect yeah. on top judges in, in – um, superstars because yeah, of people are, looking, people are looking when you finish spending that sort of money and I mean you know we've seen some really big dollar cars in the last five years um, you really don't want a car at the end of that you can't use yeah and, and that is where that's why we brought in Street Elite it's exactly right hey guys I've just been sitting here thinking there's a question I want to ask you because I asked this to Jake um, I want to know who's the better driver you or Jake <laughs> Well, he's, he's driving the Mustang a lot better than me, yes. Yeah, so I'd say definitely Jake. Oh, 
Can't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've actually so, just did uh, an RRS uh, power steering on the car just to make it a little bit easier for him because since after his accident uh, when he broke his arm yeah. back at Summonats 30, yeah, he sort of it took, you know, a couple of years to sort of – he still hasn't still got full strength in the arm, but um, – but, yeah, sometimes he'd go out and say, yeah, no, everything's good, and then you'd come back, whinging it, you know, the car's not handling doing that well. It never bloody handled back when I used to skid it. So <laughs> exactly. it was like we lucky <laughs> one out of ten. Yeah, 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 so that's probably why the burnout comps were so slow back in the day because, you know, you had plenty of time to, to bloody um, not stuff up, I suppose. But, yeah, yeah. now it's just all about tipping and, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, how fast, and and that's why I've sort of stepped back a little bit because yeah, trying to keep up with the boys t- today, it's sort of you know I'm happy to just sit on the on the body curb, mate. And, uh, <laughs> watch and, watch and, do it. And, and that's what's going to be my next question. So your futures sit back a bit and obviously help him out with his new car and just sort of go yeah. and Jake. I sort of have passed the Mustang down to Jake, but I, I will get it back once he gets. Gets his new ride happening, and um, I think we'll just probably put it back as a really tough street car. Um, probably a big, a big, big cube Windsor in it. Um, Jake's wanting to put a turbo on it, a Procharger, and all this, but no, I, I want to just, um, no, I just no, no. want a nice, nice. You know, as long as it does good power skids, that's where I, I still get a bit buzz out of doing power skids, and. Um, yeah, we're, we're hanging to um, – I'm actually getting too insane back out and um, we're taking it up to um, Northern Nats and um, it's probably one of the best tracks up there, obviously the drag strip up there. And I've won probably three of the, the four power skids up there, both in the XA and uh, two insane. And, um, yeah, probably 550-metre power skids. I just – yeah, that's where I get my adrenaline from, so <laughs> – and it's quite uh, funny. Some of the burnout boys, you know, I've offered jump in the car because you can actually take a passenger, which is sort of spins people out. It just, um, yeah, it's just, you know, t- to me, it's just, you know, it's, it's just another, you know, power speed. But for someone that, you know, can jump in a car and, you know, got a thousand horsepower and just, you know, smoking the hides, you know, 500 metres, it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of, it's pretty out. Cool. Can I ask Gary when you first bought the, the, the your original Mustang, the one you bought when you were very young? What was it? The, the guy you bought it off did he know you were going to do stuff like that with the car? <laughs> okay, my first, I think I was fifteen, around sixteen. I bought an XB GSU. It was my first car. Then I traded that in on a ZA Fairlane, which had a three fifty one Windsor in it. Then I swapped that with my brother for an XA 252V top loader XA Coupe. Now, that XA Coupe would have been the Mustang today, but uh, Russ, because back then, you know, I was only an apprentice mechanic and um, Russ was coming out. It was a car sold brand new at at Wagga, at the Hillis Ford in Wagga. And the thing was with them coupes, they were left out in the – the rain on the on the uh, assembly line, hmm. and that's why they reckon they was such a rust bucket because they were rusted when yeah. they were in 
just bare metal. But um, yeah. this coop started to get rust in the pillars and roof, and I thought, man, I was chasing repairs on it all the time. So I sold the car, and um, me and my dad jumped in the in a car and went down to Sydney, and um, we went down to look at a '66 Cougar, and we got down there, and it was sold. I'm pretty glad that we didn't buy a 66 key with a pretty ugly car. <laughs> so we grabbed the Sydney Morning Herald and, um, yeah, yeah, the Mustang was, um, yeah, I paid $7,000 for it. I saved up, I think, $3,000 and I borrowed four. And, um, yeah, come home with the following weekend. We went, come home, organised the loan through the Commonwealth Bank and then went down the following weekend and, yeah, paid seven grand for the old girl. I was only 17 when when um, I bought that wow. car and um, drove it back. Still, and still Joe Flaherty, I still remember the dude I bought it off, um, Joe Flaherty, and he he ran into me up at uh, Cooley Rocks here quite a few years ago and, and bought me some photos of when he had it um, just before I got it, obviously. And, um, yeah, it looked pretty weird with – he had JF number plates on it, so um, <laughs> yeah. So that's a bit of history of the of the yeah. Mustang and a couple uh, of different little tough, tough, couple of different little factors in the Mustang might not have even been might not have yeah. Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it would have been an XA coupe if if I still if I went down that path. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, I yeah, I'm coupe crazy. I've got to say, I've still got seven coupes stashed away, so um, I want to get around to restoring those. And that's, I don't know when I'm me John Goss two door. It's still, it's um, it's probably only a, if I had a full month on it, the car would be finished. But I just can't find that time, even though in these times I've been just yeah. doing a lot of maintenance on on trucks and trailers and and everything else. So um, yeah, it's pretty pretty full on. Look out, Howard, he'll be knocking on your door, mate. Just uh, keep your door closed. You've got plenty of bus parts for all them cars, mate. Uh, yeah, I've got a, don't worry, I've got a nice little stash of parts and that's why I won't sell anything until I get all these restorations out of the way and then, then I can um, sell off the parts and hopefully, yeah, I can retire happily. I, I hear you fix a lot of the rust in those in the XC to, XA to XC coupes, Howard. Yeah, Howard does. Yeah. But I've got a whole range of parts now, but it's interesting what you say about the rust because it's actually the um, the sealant that they use to, to put them together. Anywhere that the cars were spot welded, they put a sealant on it. And I don't know what, right. I don't know what's in that yeah. sealant. It's what causes the rust. When you pull the panels apart, if you take a bonnet apart, wherever that sealant is, that's where the rust is. Whatever's in it, that's what's eating them out from the inside out. And, and the... The sedans are the same because I remember working on them. They might have been a. They might have got a. They might have got a, for, a uh, former Holden employee on the line, and he switched up the glue. <laughs> the sealer was something else. <laughs> I don't think I'm too fast. It's all bare metal as well. Where, where, where the sealer yeah. is, it's bare metal, then the sealant, then spot welder, yeah. and it's yeah, exactly. It, it's, uh, hey, Howard, next time you're in Narendra, you'll have to come and check out this XA coupe. It's only a XA Falcon 500. I've had it. Yeah, I've had it for um, oh, 30 odd years. I paid $800 for it. But honestly, this car 
It's, I reckon it's the rarest car out there because it has no rust in it. It hasn't got an ounce of rust in this XA Coupe and it's just a six-cylinder, four-speed Falcon 500. So I don't know why it never rusted out like the others did. Well, the I've seen with no rust had the Ming treatment. So has it got all the holes drilled in it for the rust? Oh, I wouldn't have uh, a clue. No, I wouldn't yeah. If you have a, yeah, if you have a, if you have a look sort of... And it depends who did them, but they've got little plastic plugs in, in the, yes. the openings right. and stuff. And it was like a product by Ming, the company. Yep. And okay. I've done a couple of cars that was processed with that, and they don't have any rust. But all the others, yeah, they're just yeah. hopeless. When I happen to be just driving past Narendra. We've got to wrap this up. So, look, I thank you so much for your time. It's been just awesome chatting with you, with both yeah, of you guys, yeah. and a lot, a lot of history there. And, um, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Gary. Next week's show, we've got a very interesting show. It's going to be a cracker. We have the first Summonats Grand Champion, which was a, he was a uh, part of the quiz a few weeks ago, I believe. Yes. Rob, Beach, Rob Beecham. He won three in a row. In his, uh, in his VL Commodore. Then we have uh, rugby league legend uh, Rod Wishart, who's uh, he's actually a bit of a car guy, right, Webby? Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, look, an unbelievable Australian sporting hero. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, into cars as well. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. And speaking about heroes, one of Summonat's heroes, uh, Victor Bray and Ben Bray, and obviously drag racing heroes and legends of the sport. Pioneers, you could call them, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be a, another big week, mate. So don't forget, Summonats 2021 tickets are on sale now and entries as well, and you get that discount before May 31 on entries into Summonats. Uh, I'm certainly keen for some events to come up, Webby. You must be yeah. <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's Absolutely. go. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on wherever you get your podcast from, as well as our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Give this podcast a like. And that's pretty much it for Podcast 8. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. No worries. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Cheers. See ya. Coming up on Podcast 9. Drag Racing Royalty, Victor Bray and Ben Bray. Summonats 1, Grand Champion, Rob Beecham. Rugby League legend, Rod Wishart. Webby and I will see you Tuesday night at 8.30pm. Mad. Summonats!